Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Suzanne Daly. She is an instructional coach in the Central Bucks School District, where she has the honor and joy of working with over 600 elementary teachers and 9,000 students. She teaches model lessons, facilitates professional development sessions, and mentors teachers to be the best for the students in front of them. Suzanne is nationally board certified, a fellow of the National Writing Project, and has a master's degree in reading. She is dedicated to nurturing and developing the whole child and teacher and presents on these topics at local, state, and national level. She's the author of Teach Happier This School Year, 40 Weeks of Inspiration and Reflection, and the host of the popular weekly podcast, Teach Happier. Welcome to the podcast, Suzanne. Thanks so much for having me, Dana. I'm happy to be here today. Well, it was good connecting with you at the Teach Better Conference in October, and I'm excited to have you on to talk about your book and your podcast. First of all, tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Well, I'm actually still crawling out of the trenches right now, Dana. Um, I think sometimes we are in a professional trench, and sometimes we are in a personal trench, and then there's those times where you find yourself in both at the same time. And so... The last two years have been a trench unlike anything I could ever even fathom. Uh, Personally, I've recently lost my beloved mom. She was just 67 and we lost her to Alzheimer's. Uh, We have a neurodivergent child who has really gone through a lot in the last couple of years and has required a lot of additional love and energy and care and strategies. And so that's personally and then professionally, as we still continue to reemerge from the pandemic and find this new way of navigating the kids in front of us that really are so different than when we left them in early 2020. So just trying to recalibrate and recombobulate and just reset a little bit while still moving forward. So it's that just really challenging season of getting back to baseline but also trying to move forward at the same time. And that's been a a very deep trench, both personally and professionally. And as I'm crawling out, it is not a tidy story. It is one where we've taken a couple steps ahead and then we've we've taken a couple back and just trying to re-find that footing again and again. So as we're crawling out and finding that footing, The good news is priorities are becoming clear, both Mm -hmm. personally and professionally, but it has been quite a journey these past two years, for sure. Well, um, we'll talk a little bit about um, some of the things that you do um, to help educators. Um, So let's talk, first of all, about, um, as I mentioned, your podcast. Um, So you started Teach Happier podcast. Was it two years ago? You said December of 2020. That's correct. Yeah. And it's in the downward trench. (laughs) Yeah. So it's um, a five minute episode. You said it drops on Sundays. So people can listen to it on a Monday morning commute. Um, So since you said you kind of started that when you were in uh, starting in the trench period, um, how does it help you and how does it help those who listen? 
So I'm sure we've all heard a variation of the quote that teachers teach the lessons that they need to learn and writers write the books that they need to hear. And that was just a, a project that was actually inspired at the first Teach Better conference by Adam Welcome. He and I were just chatting and brainstorming and he said, Suzanne, why don't you try a podcast? I thought, I don't know, Adam, I don't know if I've got that in me. I don't know the first thing about doing a podcast. And he had the greatest advice, Dana. He said, you have nothing to lose here. Yeah. Do the podcast. And if a lot of people listen, great. And if nobody listens, okay, you, mm -hmm. you lost nothing. Like this is a no risk project. And what I found, Dana, is as I was reading books and listening to podcasts and interviews all about positive psychology and neurobiology, those were the lessons I needed to hear the most. And I thought, my goodness, December, 2020, I know that my colleagues need to hear this too and learn from, from just those really small shifts in our, our thoughts or language or actions, knowing that we really can create new pathways in our brains and you know, small actions practiced consistently can really add up to permanent change. And I know I needed that both personally and professionally and was grateful that colleagues found it to be just as meaningful as I did. You talk about it being an underwhelming shift in your thoughts. Um, so what is uh, something you might speak on during those five minutes for an example that could be a type of shift for somebody who's listening? And I, I do love something underwhelming, Dana. I think all of us do because everything has been so overwhelming for mm -hmm. us these past couple of years. And there's so much out there, right? There's so much self-help, if you want to call it, but not specifically for teachers. And so one of the really small shifts, I mean, we're talking a one word shift mm -hmm. was the shift from the idea of what if, right? Because with so much uncertainty, we were constantly in our own heads as teachers and educators and leaders thinking, well, what if this happens? Or what if this goes wrong? And that's a really hard place to land mentally. And so the one little shift would be taking that what if, for example, what if the technology fails for mm -hmm. my lesson or Dana for our podcast tonight? And we switch that to even if, yeah. even if the technology fails for my lesson, I'm going to get out some chart paper or an expo marker and show mm -hmm. the concept that way. Even if the link doesn't work for tonight's podcast, we'll get another link. And so what that did was really help. Again, the one word shift helped me understand what's within my realm of influence and control and also what's out of my realm of influence and control. And that's a really, really freeing feeling. Mm -hmm. When we move from the what if to the even if, it helps us discern our next right thing. And so that's a concept that really resonated with not only listeners, but students as well. And so we help them envision the what ifs, and then we help them put some action behind it with the even ifs. So that's mm -hmm. a really simple example of, of an underwhelming shift. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It takes just something that, that simple to realize, you know, you're, yeah, like the technology going on in the classroom, it's uh, not making a big deal about it, right? So <laughs> just moving on, right? Um, yeah. So uh, you have your book, uh, by the time this podcast is out, it will be released, um, Teach Happier 40 Weeks of Inspiration. Cool, cool. And Reflection, so it's uh, out by D A ASCD, 
Um, so you said it follows a typical school year. Um, and so how can people use this um, both during the school year and also maybe when they are off? It does follow a typical school year. So my dream, Dana, is that administrators would say, you know, welcome back to our new school year. Mm -hmm. This year's initiative is you. And so what we do is we took the book and it's in 40 weeks, like a typical school year. And out of those 40 weeks, they're broken into 10 week, four 10 week sections yeah. to mimic a typical marking period. And what we do similar to the podcast is once a week, you get a two to three page story. And within that story, uh, science and research is referenced to back up one of these small shifts in our thoughts or language or actions. Then there's just a little space to create a small goal just to try and move through our week in, I like to say, the healthiest headspace and heart space as possible. But that's just not going to naturally happen. It's going to take a little bit of work. But again, when practiced consistently, that's permanent change. So in September, when we are rested and optimistic and we acknowledge that and talk about what do those shifts look like, but then in mid to late October, when we're sick and everything just feels so routine as rational optimists, we acknowledge that and we say what's hard, what's tiring, what's frustrating. And then we think about, all right, so what's our next right thing during this season? And so that's why it will mimic a, a typical school year. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Mm -hmm. Now let's get back to the episode. So um, you've also um, been participating in the National Writing Project. Um, so you um, that's been quite a while since 2005. Uh, okay. So tell me how you became certified to do these workshops and um, then it launched your PD. So uh, what, what do you still do with the National uh, Writing Project? So the, the participating in the National Writing Project was really one of those game-changing moments for me professionally because what we did for an entire month and a half in the summer, we just wrote and wrote and wrote and revised and had writing partners and writing groups and Becoming that writer really helped me be such a better teacher of writing, a much more compassionate teacher of writing, a much more flexible teacher of writing, and most importantly, joyful teacher of writing. And mm -hmm. the biggest takeaway I learned there was a, it's a Ralph Fletcher quote. And he said, you know, writers don't live extraordinary lives they just look at life in a really extraordinary way. And so I'm able to teach that to my students and think about whatever they love, whatever they're passionate about, there's a story there, right? And so some teachers will say, oh gosh, all my one student, all she writes about is horses. And I say, excellent. She can write a narrative about a horse. She can write an informative piece about horses. She can write an opinion piece about horses, right? And so capitalizing on what lights them up and what makes their life extraordinary, I want to find that and help them write about it. So that has just been a wonderful thing. So a lot of my model lessons that I do in our K to six classrooms or workshops that I do are based in literacy, primarily writing. It is just 
one of the most wonderful parts of my day. And I'm teaching just about every day, even in this role as an instructional coach, and they're often writing lessons. And my favorite thing, Dana, mm-hmm. is when a teacher will say, a colleague will say to me, oh my gosh, you just taught with a marker. <laughs> yes. Again, I want them underwhelmed. Yeah. If we put some good examples in front of kids and we help them through our think alouds, then they're going to know exactly how they can write about something that lights them up as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, talk to me about a few of your PD sessions uh, tied to writing. So you have one called Cultivating a Joyful Writing Classroom, another one about essential elements of writing instruction. So what can people uh, get out of um, learning more about writing, whether they're language arts teachers or teach science or social studies? Well, no matter what subject we teach, we are the best fill in the blank in the Mm -hmm. room, right? If we teach math, we're the best mathematician in the room. If we teach writing, we're the best writer in the room. And sometimes that's a really hard thing to accept, but it's the truth. And so, you know, we would never teach our students how to do algebra without worked examples. So that's very similar when we teach writing, we have to give kids great examples of writing. So we'll call those mentor texts. So if I were to say, you need four things in a writing classroom, one is a mentor text. If we're writing an informative piece, we've got to show them what a really good informative piece looks like at the beginning so they know exactly what the end goal is. Okay. And one of the ways we get to those mentor texts is the second element, which is teacher as writer. We have to be writing alongside our students. We have to show them that we never just write and it comes out perfectly. We want them to see the the messy first draft and we want them to see when we get stuck in an idea or we want them to see where, you know what? I don't have the beginning part of this story, but I know where I want, I know where the middle is. I know where the end is. And we model for them how we just leave the beginning part blank and then off we go. So teacher as writer is just such a essential part of writing so that students can see the process behind the piece. Oftentimes it's so intimidating for our students to get their ideas from their head to a piece of paper. And that's true for our kindergartners and that's true for our 12th graders. And so the third essential element is productive talk. We've gotta get kids talking while they're writing. Writing is not a silent activity. I think for many of us as students, maybe Dana, you would agree that it was silent. When we wrote, when it was writing time, we were just quietly writing. But it is such a wonderful social way. Kids have to talk out their ideas and then they get to understand what would make sense? What needs to be worked on a little bit more? Or far more importantly, what do their readers want to hear about? So when you put students, again, first grade or 12th grade with a writing partner or a writing group and they get that feedback, then they can understand what they want to do with their piece. And so that productive talk time is simply essential. Mm-hmm. So we've mm-hmm. got mentor texts, we've got teacher is writer, we've got productive talk. And the final thing would be joy. Mm-hmm. We have to show our kids that putting our thoughts on paper or typing them out on a screen can be a really joyful event. But the mm-hmm. only way we can do that is if we are showing them our think, you know, how we're thinking through the process, because that will just increase 
their confidence um, as well. So mm-hmm. those would, if I had to pick four, those would be the four that I that I would pick in our mm-hmm. writing classrooms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely something to think about. Um, like you said, um, there's there's a lot of ways to teach writing, but really letting the kids take control, letting them uh, brainstorm with peers, um, have, have it be something that they can enjoy, not just a task that they have to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, so you also... Um, talk to schools a little bit about um, assemblies, uh, which could be uh, in PLCs. Um, uh, talk to me a little bit about these student programs and assemblies that you also um, may, may uh, talk, speak to schools about. Yeah, so what's really interesting is in the podcast episodes that are designed for teachers, Um, A colleague of mine, her name is Lauren, she and I will make lessons for students together. And they're all, not all, but some are up on uh, my website at SuzanneDaily.com. And I say that because they're ready to go, Dana. I mean, you open them, you can use as is, or you can edit them. And so what it it typically is, is we can take the um, what if to even if example. We pose a question, show a little video, Uh, teach kids some of the neuroscience behind what happens when we get stuck in a negative thinking pattern versus Mm -hmm. what do we do when we are scanning for the good? Like what, what is released in our brain when that happens and, and teach them that they have ownership over their thoughts. And so then we walk them through practicing some of these really small shifts in thoughts, language, or actions. And so whether it's done in a 15 to 20 minute mini lesson in the classroom, or if it's done at an assembly level, what we do is share just fundamental understandings and positive psychology. What does it mean to be a rational optimist? What does it mean to understand that the cup is not half empty or half full, it's refillable, right? How we we show students that things like gratitude and conscious acts of kindness what that does to our brains and how it helps actually increase our happiness baseline and move through our days again as as happy as can be. And that doesn't mean high knees and tra-la-la. That means feeling content and aligned and balanced. And I just would have loved if as a student, I was taught this in school along Mm -hmm. with all of our academics. And so I just find it a very empowering thing when I hear from students after I teach them some of these strategies and they tell me what a difference it has made. And my favorite is when they say, I taught my, you know, my grownups at home about this around mm-hmm. at dinner tonight. You know, that is just thrilling and such mm-hmm. a thing for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we're leading the way in helping our youngsters understand more about um, self-regulation skills and, you know, uh, the, just the, you know, how to, how to, um, see, like you said, see the glass, um, not half full or half empty, but refillable. So yeah, definitely, um, making that able to be shared with teachers, um, is something that, you know, I think a lot of teachers can benefit from, um, a lot of everything we talked about in terms of your podcast, your book, and, um, the PD you do, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? 
This is coming from one of my favorite authors, Kelly Corrigan. I love her podcast, Kelly Corrigan Wonders. And in one of her episodes, Dana, she asked us, do you know the number one rule of whitewater rafting? Mm-hmm. The number one rule of whitewater rafting, everyone's got guesses and they're almost always wrong because it's be a part of your own rescue. Mm-hmm. And so if there's one thing to remember when we are in the trenches, whether it's personal or professional, we can own that. We must be a part of our own rescue. It's an mm-hmm. inside job. We can't rely on anybody else to help us navigate a heartbreaking season, a frustrating season, recognizing it's a season, there's a beginning mm-hmm. and an end, but that's up to us. Again, it's, it's an inside job. Be a part of your own rescue. I really like that. Where can people uh, connect with you and find you online? They can connect through Teach Happier. So that's on Instagram, with Facebook page. Uh, my handle on Twitter is at Daily Suzanne. And everything can be found at SuzanneDaily.com, including links to the book on, from ASCD and Amazon as well. Great. It's been a pleasure having you on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Dana. You too. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon. You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. 